Hello and welcome to the EV Life Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I'm joined by... Alison Bench, the producer of the EV Life Podcast. And today our episode is with Fortis, Alberta. So we're joined by Jennifer Schillam and Dave Hunka both from Fortis, Alberta, and they're here to talk to us about some of the services that Fortis is introducing to assist those people living particularly in rural Alberta access better charging infrastructure for EVs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is something that we hear quite a lot. Like even we've met, met a lot of AMA members and Albertans who people say, you know, I live rurally, so how could I ever have an EV? But Fortis is actually actively working in that space to try to improve it. So we thought it was really important to have them on and learn a little bit more about what they're doing in that area. So I think this is a super important conversation. And of course, they're um, an energy provider. So we also chat with them about the grid, which is another thing that comes up quite often when you're thinking about Alberta's future with EVs. Like, how is the grid going to handle it? So You know, Allison and I attend a lot of events where we go out and talk to Alberta about electric vehicles and two of the big concerns that we hear are about grid capacity. A lot of people are concerned that our grid cannot sustain uh, mass adoption of EVs. And also, again, as Allison mentioned, a lot of people say, well, you know, EVs might be great for the cities, but not so much for rural Alberta. And so I feel like if you share those concerns or just curious to hear what a utilities company has to say about that, then this is a great episode for you because Jennifer and Dave really touch on those and... It was such an enlightening conversation. Yeah, I think let's just dive right in and take a listen to that great interview. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jennifer Schillam and Dave Hunka of Fortis, Alberta. Hello, Jennifer and Dave. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So can you just share with our audience a little bit about your roles at Fortis? We'll start with you, Jennifer. Yeah, definitely. So I am an advisor in Fortis's Emerging Customer Solutions Department. It's a fairly new role uh, within the organization. Our focus is anything outside of core business for uh, the company. Thank you so much. And Dave, yourself? So I've been with the company for 16 years in different departments from operations to customer service. So uh different experiences there but uh I'm, right now i just moved over as of yesterday to to this team mm-hmm. so uh it's been very exciting the last uh, couple of days and uh so i'm glad jen's here to to definitely answer some of these questions well we're so glad to have both of you here and for our audience who might not have heard of fortis can you just share a little bit about the company and how fortis alberta is assisting in with ev charging infrastructure Yeah, so Fortis Alberta is a distribution company. Um, I'll take it one level higher uh, for people who perhaps don't understand the grid as a whole. It can be confusing. There's really four key components, and that is generation, transmission, distribution, and retail. So generation produces it. Transmission moves higher voltages to uh, substations where it can be consumed. Uh, Distribution moves those consumption levels to everywhere where it's needed, and then retail does the bill. So distribution is where we are. Um, Fortis Alberta does pretty much 60% of all distribution services in Alberta. So we have a pretty big portfolio. Um, That's about 600,000 customers, about a million poles, and uh, the power line 
to go along with that could essentially wrap around the earth three times. So just kind of not small, not small. (laughs) Yep. And how is Fortis assisting Alberta with EV charging infrastructure? Yeah, so the organization really has two major initiatives that we've got going on right now. Um, the first is our new rate. It's called Rate 62 uh, for electric vehicle fast charging. So it became available in September, and it targets infrastructure, um, fast charging infrastructure, or those DC chargers. Range anxiety is seen as a large barrier to EV adoption, Um, rightly so, of course. And a lot of those bigger chargers out there only work with a certain brand of EV. I I won't (laughs) say what I think our audience knows. And uh, they're mostly found in uh, large urban areas, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at the Edmontons, the Red Deers, Calgary's, uh, sort of those EV corridors is where you find those superchargers. So outside of that, um, there isn't a lot of those bigger fast chargers. And uh, that's what our rate uh, 62 tries to target. Um, Those big chargers need a lot of demand and Fortis's standard rates focused on demand, which, you know, is great. It's we the company has an agnostic approach to, you know, serving customers. Our responsibility is to make sure that the power is there safely and reliably, not what you're going to be using it for. Right. But when you get lower utilization uh, at a service like a charger that's in the monarchs of the world or the bonacords of the world where perhaps ev adoption isn't as high what happens is is that those charges that go along with those demand um, can be cost prohibitive so that's where rate 62 comes in instead of focusing on the demand of these larger charges it focuses on the usage so while ev adoption is lower in those rural areas uh, those early adopters of that infrastructure aren't hit with such high cost to be able to put that charger in. So we're really hoping that what'll happen is that it'll incentivize individuals who were maybe on the fence about putting in those larger chargers to put them in, capitalizing on provincial or even economic development funding opportunities that are out there right now that help pay for the equipment, and then supplemented with this rate. Now maybe we'll see more chargers out there in the, you know, far out regions. This is interesting. You know, you you bring up an interesting point about those fast chargers are in the urban area centers, right? So why were these rural areas kind of on your radar? Why why was it important to bring the fast charging to the rural areas? I think anyone who is in a smaller community has probably experienced that feeling that rural Alberta is sort of the forgotten areas, I guess you could say. Um, You know, I I live in a small community and I know I have trouble with my broadband and, you know, I I just don't have the same services that are available. Um, I I think a big focus is that historically Fortis' footprint has been in that rural area and supporting that rural area. I mean, the company has gone through a million different name changes throughout its years. It started as Calgary Power. And back then, they started a, a service called Farm Electric Services, and they partnered with uh, farmers and rural Albertans, you know, even, even back then, to bring power to rural Alberta. So there was, you know, large stretches of power line that perhaps don't have the same customer density on them. You, you, there's not as big a rate of return on it, right? So what happened was is that the 
rural Albertans partnered with the utility that had the expertise to actually make sure that the power line worked properly, um, brought that out to rural Alberta. And that's really been the history of the organization. It sounds like you have a long, like Fortis has a long history of serving rural Alberta. And so it was important to continue with that tradition, right, of, of serving people in areas that sometimes can be forgotten. And we've heard from a lot of our audience that who live in urban areas and want to adopt EVs and start, you know, purchasing and using EVs, that that is a big barrier to them buying it. So really important for those people on the cusp, right? Uh, I think the other thing too is there are a lot of companies that are coming to Alberta right now that are looking to develop their own EV corridors. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of different models that are kind of out there. And and this rate really helps a lot with that development, especially in areas that might not have the same traffic and flow through uh, that other areas do. We're seeing more and more development around that. So I'm pretty positive uh, with this new rate. It should be uh, a really good pickup for those customers to make it a lot more affordable. And when did you um, introduce rate 62? It became available uh, on September 20th. So, you know, we've spoken to so many different people on the podcast. And one of the biggest uh, concerns that we hear from listeners and it's just I I think if you google myths or concerns about EVs one of the biggest things that comes up is well I don't think that our power grid can support it and we've spoken to numerous people on the podcast and gotten their opinion on whether or not they agree with that concern is it valid is it maybe just misplaced fear Uh, what's your thoughts on it do you think our power grid can support mass adoption of EVs so on the technical side, just like any new uh, new load customer that comes through the door, um, we always find a way to to arrange and get the customer connected. And we're constantly looking at uh, our standards as far as construction and so forth uh, around making sure that the system is easily upgradable. But there is sometimes, of course, when uh, customers are either so far away from existing main line or um, the, the load that they're looking for is so large, there's upfront costs that the customer has to pay to connect to the system. Yeah, and I, like I would say, it, it's always an interesting conversation whenever we get into this, especially that um, you know that mass adoption. I always find a conversation about that turns into a qualitative conversation because you know EV adoption is definitely on the rise for sure. And like I mentioned, we're, we're really hoping that Rate sixty two can help with that infrastructure and remove that range anxiety and, and better support that adoption rate. But we also have to think about it from you know, the perspective that there isn't really an EV watershed moment. Like it, it, a lot of people focus on 2035 right. um, and the mandates from the federal government. But, you know, we're still not going to see a 100% EV penetration as of January 1st. It's not everyone's going to hand in their keys to right. the combustion engine on that day, right? So mass adoption is not is not exactly mass adoption. Um, you know, you look at it historically and in, in the fifties, people had 60 amp panels in their homes and, and then it's transitioned to a hundred amp panels now. And now we're seeing 200, 200 yeah, as a, is looking to go to a standard or higher. So it's that gradual and, you know, we'll oh, be there we're, to even, meet it. we're even seeing in other jurisdictions in BC and Ontario that for home panels, they're looking to convert because uh, they're also looking at fuel switching. So getting rid of natural gas completely. Um, going to 400 amp and 600 amp panels, oh, wow. uh, which, you know, 
to our standards right now, uh, that's a huge shift. Right. Um, other things that we're also doing and looking at is new technology. And one thing I forgot to, to mention is just we do have a, a pilot project where we're looking to convert to DC power in between basically in a neighborhood where you have the transformer uh, to basically um, up to the metering uh, placement on, on the side of the house. That would be run a DC uh, direct current. So that would save a lot of costs as far as upgrades because uh, some of those costs to upgrade uh, those secondary wires and so forth could be as, as high as $20,000 per home, um, where this could lower that to being under $5,000 per home. So, so a huge savings. Huge savings. So we are doing an active test uh, with that technology to see how it's going to work. And I think the other thing, too, just within the industry, we've seen some um, – talk around solid state batteries that yeah. uh, have the capabilities of getting uh, 80% of their charge within seven minutes. So that's some pretty groundbreaking new battery technology. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are looking forward to that becoming available in the near future, but it sounds like what you're saying and, and, you know, some of our former guests have kind of kind of said the same thing. Everyone's not going out tomorrow and purchasing an EV. So with gradual adoption of EVs, so too, will there be gradual upgrades to our power grid? And so it seems like you're not concerned that we're going to have an overload in the next year or two years, or even, you know, the federal mandate comes in on 2035, but everyone's not turning in their keys to their ICE vehicles and, you know, swapping it out for an EV. So can we say in whenever that happens, whenever mass adoption of EVs happens in Canada, it's not likely that our grid would not be able to support support that just with the gradual upgrades? I would say that all market participants on the electrical grid are going to rise to the challenge to do what we can to ensure that Albertans continue to receive reliable and safe power. Um, You know, and it's exactly what you said. Like I, I myself, I own a classic car from 1979. It's older than I am. (laughs) I am not going to, we won't ask how many years Dave is older than it, Um, (laughs) but it, you know, and exactly that, like it's going to be with me for a long time. And a lot of ice vehicles are going to be with people for a long time. Um, You know, not saying that there isn't areas of the grid that perhaps don't incur, you know, issues because of large adoption of charging infrastructure, super and stations have a lot of demand. So it's not saying we're, you know, it's not saying that they won't see some issues or, you know, in, in older residential neighborhoods. But I think the focus is really looking at emerging technologies, looking at ways that we can innovate and uh, really meet that challenge to ensure that we're keeping costs low um, and ensuring that we're, you know, doing the best that we can to get people their power. Uh, just to add to that too, I think uh, when Jen also mentions new technology, um, a lot of these EV uh, facilities are actually installing battery chargers uh, with those systems. And that also um, keep the costs down, but also allows uh, them to charge when uh, it might be uh, more affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in some cases, too, we are also seeing customers that have gone with EVs also looking at installing solar at home along with battery backup mm-hmm. uh, and, and battery storage. I mean, we, we're also doing an EV charging pilot project, and we're actually uh, actively watching people that have EVs, how they're charging, when they're charging, how long they're charging for. And then with the technology that we're um, uh, able to 
to see. And then also they can also work with us around when they want to charge and it. And it overall balances the, the load in the area mm-hmm. for what's taking place. So it's pretty neat in the sense that you can say, well, I want to have my car fully charged by tomorrow at five. It will balance out those kind of requests and you can still override it, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting how that technology is to help flatten out that curve so you don't get these big peaks when everyone comes home from work and they want to plug their car in. Right. So. You mentioned the solid state batteries, and I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this um, because that is kind of like a hot topic right now in the EV world. So how can you explain, just for our listeners who might not know, how would solid state batteries reduce that sort of strain on the power grid because, um, like you said, they're able to um, charge very quickly? So if you had a, a charging facility that also had the battery backup, the nice thing is is they could the customer is going to get charged very, very quickly, but they can drain down their battery and they're not actually pulling power from the grid at that time. And if there's if the demand overall, because a lot of times we'll have multiple battery systems uh, there uh, per charger, uh, that allows them that they don't you know that they can get charged at a um, when there isn't as much demand. Uh, okay. type of thing. So it, it helps them control their demand costs. Uh, it makes them more affordable. And it um, also allows that customer to come in and get quickly charged. Uh, when I started to to do some reading on the solid state batteries, I was pretty impressed of where it yeah. might go. So Exciting things. Well, thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast today. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I think uh, the biggest thing that I would impose upon people is that, you know, I'm hoping there's either listeners that already have electric vehicles or people out there that are considering it. And if you are considering an electric vehicle, um, the biggest thing that I can stress that we find um, surprises people is maybe they go and they purchase the vehicle and they purchase that upgraded level two charger because they, um, you know, don't want to use their level one that comes standard with the vehicle. Please contact an electrician before you do that because we have had customers who have spent, you know, quite a bit of money uh, on this technology and then they go home and find out that their current panel in their home or even the current system within their neighborhood can't accommodate the load and then they're facing additional charges. So that can be a big surprise for individuals and and can also be cost prohibitive for them. So they've just spent all this money on a vehicle and now they can't charge it with this level two charger that they've purchased. So um, just trying to spare some people some surprises or potential headaches, contact an electrician on Fortis Alberta's website on our electric vehicle landing page. We have what we call our load guide. Um, If you're electrically inclined, (laughs) have a read. If not, contact an electrician. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, just really quickly, I, I think uh, the other thing that we're focusing on is also working with the de- developers for new subdivisions and making sure that the right infrastructure is going in, uh, you know, and having those conversations around, you know, is there going to be EVs and, and things like this, especially with uh, home uh, people that own homes that want to upgrade uh, things to consider is, you know, if you're looking to do EV and you have a hot water or um, a hot tub and air conditioning, then you're probably looking at a 200 amp service uh, type of thing. So what I'm hearing from you all is you really need to do your research before you go out and make these big purchases just to make sure you're prepared. Definitely. Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast. This was an excellent conversation. Thank you Thank for you. having us.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer and Dave from Fortis, Alberta. If you have any questions about the episode or would like to just weigh in, you can always find Allison and myself in our EV Life community on the AMA mobile app. You can also send us an email at community at ama.av.ca. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We'll talk to you in the next one. 